The opinions and views expressed in Dead Men Do Tell Tales and all affiliated media are Jordan and Nicole's and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of their training program or others working in the field of medical legal death investigation. Hey everyone. Welcome to Dead Men Do Tell Tales. A podcast about forensic pathology related topics. I'm Nicole Kroom. And I'm Jordan Taylor. And we are both pathology residents. No. <gasps> this episode is coming out when we're fellows. And but we are, we are currently pathology residents, residents. Who are, when you're listening to it, forensic pathology fellows who are staying in forensic <laughs> pathology. <laughs> we're going to have to work really, that one out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and... This episode, we're going to release a couple days early on July 4th, and we... It's my birthday! Oh. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's <laughs> 100% allowed. For many reasons, besides the fact that it's a cold we never did a July 4th episode. Somehow. We didn't, yeah. So I think it's because it's been, like, it was our early when we first started, and then it kind of came around the anniversary time, so we probably oh, right. just didn't think about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Done and done. So, July 4th, I'm sure you all know, is a pretty surprising... Not surprisingly, dangerous holiday. <laughs> We're going to take a quick trip back to go over, you know, the history of Independence Day. So the Declaration of Independence was actually voted on on July 2nd, 1776. But it was declared on July 4th, which with what they said was the official signing. Although there is this like apparent argument that they say the document was actually signed on August 2nd. August 2nd. Yeah. So I don't know. It's was a long time ago. Nobody really knows. But everybody goes with, we declared independence from the monarch of Britain, King George III, and were free and independent states. And these were the 13 original colonies. Beautiful. Did you ever sing that song, The 50 Nifty United States? Is that from Schoolhouse Rock? No, I mean, maybe. It's something just my whole school learned in, like, third grade to, like, sing the states. Oh, really? Yeah. No, we didn't learn that. Yeah. The one that I remember the best is definitely from Schoolhouse Rock, mm. and it's the declaration. We the people, in order to form oh, I've a heard perfect of that. union. Yeah, that was yeah. not this one. Yeah. Mine, I can now, I know all the states in alphabetical order because it, like, you sing the states in the middle of it. I don't even know if I know all the states, so. Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, Colorado. I can keep going. <laughs> it's really bad. But I'll never forget it because we had to memorize it. Yeah. Um, and something about it being set to music makes it stick. Yes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So originally we wanted to be free. And now that we're free, we're just going to shoot off explosives. Yes. So now the 4th of July is associated with fireworks, parades, barbecues, carnivals, fairs, picnics, baseball games, family reunions, and the largest fireworks show is in New York City and is sponsored by Macy's. In 2009, they launched 22 tons of pyrotechnics. And that was 2009, so it's probably even more now. Man, did they just shoot them off all at once? Yes. <laughs> well, there was that one barge. There was some fireworks show a couple of years ago that they were supposed to have three different barges around different parts of the city. Yeah. And the two of them went off fine, but one of the barges, something went wrong, and all of the fireworks exploded at the same time. Ooh. So they have, like, a view from above, yeah. and it's like, these two are going off perfectly, and this one in the center just a cloud of smoke. Oh. Yeah. Okay, but nobody got hurt? As far as I know. I didn't. <laughs> don't really remember. Yeah, my 4th of July, the one I have 
the fondest memories of is I was usually in Boston mm. on the 4th of July and the Pops, which is a uh, concert band, concert symphony, symphony, concert symphony orchestra, always play a symphony and they project the music all along the Charles River oh. and then they set off fireworks on the Charles River. That's cool. So, yeah. so you can be on the Cambridge side, yeah. on, the, on the Boston side and get to see it. So it's really, really nice. Really, really nice. That's cool. Where you usually watch fireworks on your birthday? <laughs> I mean, for the last couple of years, I haven't. I think the last time I went to watch fireworks was at, what is it, Rayleigh Field over by Golden Gate Bridge? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my family came into the city. We parked. We didn't, like, realize where we were parking. We yeah. parked pretty far away and had this, like, ridiculous hike down, and then we sat out there and watched them. And nice. luckily, it was clear enough that we could see them. Good. But I think that's the last time I saw fireworks in person for the 4th of July. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. My thing is, I don't like people. Um, Wait, what? And I don't like traffic. Oh, yeah. And especially in the city, like, trying to go somewhere, even on public transit, it would just be super crowded. That's true. That's very true. So you'd rather be in the middle of nowhere. I'd rather be in the middle of nowhere. Did your town, I mean, I know you were in a kind of big city, but did your town growing up, like, have a fireworks show? Stockton, yeah. Stockton did have a fireworks show. Actually... The last time I remember going to see the fireworks proper in Stockton was my family was coming back and we got hit by a drunk driver. Oh, no. So my sisters never really wanted to go out to see a display again. Okay, they associated with that. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Which, I mean, now, and so nowadays I'm just like, it's not, I mean, I really enjoy fireworks when I see them, but I'm not going to go out of my way to see them if that makes any sense. It does make sense. But yeah, we got hit by a drunk driver. Mm. My grandma was in the front passenger seat. Okay. My dad was driving. Um, and he managed to swerve around traffic in such a way that we didn't hit anybody else. Okay, good. And the car that actually hit us went into like a levee or ditch on the side of the road. Ooh. And the people that were in it ran away from the scene. Um, but their car was still there. So obviously yeah. they were caught. But I don't. I never knew what happened to them. Wow. But Everybody I, in your car was Okay. Yeah, um, luckily. My grandma broke a couple ribs. Oh, no. And then the back seat where my youngest sister was, the very back, it popped up. So if she'd been sitting up, her head would have smashed into the roof of the car. Yeah, because she was tired. So she might have broken, you know, something. Yeah, wow. died if that had... Yeah. And then the three of us in the middle, I remember I had this really big bruise on my knee for a long time because okay. I hit that like, center mid- console. Cent- yeah. yeah. But yeah, everybody else was all right. I think they had to get the jaws of life to get my grandma out of her oh, wow. door because it was kind of crushed in. Okay. Um, but yeah, Do you we- know if they were drinking? Yes. They were. Okay. Which is why they fled the scene because didn't want to be caught. Yeah. yeah. So this is going to be a, the- a theme throughout this episode. Um, <laughs> Don't drink and shoot off fireworks yes, and drive. Yes. Some of the earlier 4th of July deaths that I just want to pop on real quick, just after we talk about history. So Declaration of Independence, July 4th, 1776. Exactly 50 years later, mm-hmm. on July 4th, 1829, both the second and third president of the United States who had signed the Declaration of Independence and were the only two to sign the Declaration of Independence that later became president, Thomas Jefferson and John Adams, died on the 50th anniversary of the signing, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Like, not only that is exactly the 50th anniversary, but the two that signed it to and later became presidents did and died on the same day. 
Yeah, my favorite fact about that is that John Adams' last Ooh, words yeah. were Thomas Jefferson still survives, but he'd actually but died he didn't. like two hours earlier or something. John Adams died of heart failure, and Thomas Jefferson died of quote unquote various ailments, which don't talk, I don't know what that means. Yeah. And then five years later, on July 4th, 1831, James Monroe, who was a fifth president, died of heart failure. But on the upside of presidential July 4th, July 4th, 1872, Calvin Coolidge was born, who was the 30th president. <laughs> so he got the spirits so of all those other all presidents. the other presidents in him. <laughs> I actually saw that James Monroe died of tuberculosis. Oh. I saw heart failure on some website, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And then two other July 4th deaths, famous July 4th deaths. 1934, Marie Curie, mm. who was 66, died from radiation poisoning. And Barry White died in 2003 on July 4th, Mm. who is a famous American singer. Yes. For those that don't know. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So those are, you know, the single points. But now we're going to talk about what do most people die from. So what do most people die from on July 4th? And the answer is car accidents and fireworks. Just throw it out there. (laughs) July 4th is the single highest death rate day in the country. About... Over almost 3,000 people die every July 4th, which is a huge number. And the second highest day is actually July 3rd, which is the day before, and about 2,500 people die or so. And this is really due to the fact that, you know, more people on the road, car travel has the highest fatality rate of any major form of transportation when looked at in terms of fatality per passenger mile. So... There is more of the least safe form of transportation. <laughs> Plus, as in your family's case, a lot of people are drinking. Yep. And we never drink and drive. So 68 million cases of beer are purchased over the July 4th holiday. 68, 68 million? million? Cases. Wow. Yeah. I wonder what percentage of annual sales that is for any given. Right? Yeah. Like, I want to know Budweiser. Is that their biggest sale day? And that's not even including the other alcohols. Right. With all the liquor and stuff. Right. Like, so there's way more alcohol, way more driving, way more death. Surprise. In terms of motor vehicle accidents, 193 people died in 2018. About 40% of those involved DUIs mm-hmm. or alcohol-impaired incidents. And 71% of those who died in alcohol-impaired crashes were in a crash involving at least one driver or motorcyclist with a BAC of 0.15 or higher. Whoa! That's almost twice the legal limit, which is 0.08. Yeah. That's a lot of alcohol. That is. Which just scares me endlessly. Like, that's just... Don't be dumb, people. Wear your seatbelt. Don't drink and drive. And I don't know. Cars are scary. And humans are scary. Humans are scary. Combine the two. (laughs) The most terrifying. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So Jordan mentioned fireworks, but we're going to save that as our showstopper ending. Um, Thank you. Um, And next I'm going to talk about gunshots. So there is no national level data collected by the Centers of Disease Control or other agencies on casualties from celebratory gunfire. Uh, Hopefully that'll change soon since they're doing all of these new laws that are allowing research for gun violence to be funded. Yes. Duh. Thanks Um, for all the stupid lobbying groups. Yeah. Seriously. Um, Cool. Yeah. But there is this thing that's been in use for a while called ShotSpotter, 
And it uses audiovisual sensors and other techniques to locate and record gunfire. In the 48 communities where ShotSpotter's equipment is deployed, the company reports strong seasonal gunfire periods where approximately 15% of all annual gunfire incidents take place on the holidays around New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, and fourth your birthday and my birthday <laughs> yep i mean i got I have to wonder how much of it is celebratory versus like oh they're never gonna know because it's just a the firework. firework yeah yeah actually that's true because it sounds like the celebratory gunfire which is defined as like people who are shooting their guns into the air okay. to create the the, the loud noise, noises yeah. and you know that's celebratory gunfire so that it doesn't seem like there are that many deaths due to it so I, th- I assume most of the deaths from gunfire is actually due to people intentionally shooting each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Why are people so dumb? Stop being dumb, people. Oh, and also guns. Also guns. Yeah, also guns. Yeah. Stop it. So, 15% annual gunfire is around those three days. And about two-thirds of that total is the 4th of July. Wow. And the, the other third is around the New Year's Day wow. and Eve. Yes, yeah. insane. Yep. So the overwhelming majority of rounds that are shot into the air as celebratory gunfire land harmlessly or lodge in roofs or other property. But in areas with a high population density, some Mm. will inevitably hit human beings, which makes sense. More people, more chances to hit someone. I remember there was some episode of CSI where they... I can't even remember which flavor of CSI. Yes. But one of them was like, and they spent so long figuring this out, and then they finally realized the trajectory was like straight right. down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they like backtracked it to somebody doing a celebratory gunfire. I'm pretty sure that was Las Vegas because it sounds familiar, and that's pretty much the, the only, only one watched, I watched yeah. consistently. I used to watch. I haven't. I don't even know if it's still on, but I haven't watched it since high school. Oh, dude! If it's streaming somewhere, I would totally rewatch the Miniature Killer episodes. Yes. I loved oh, those. That's true. Ones. There were a couple of amazing ones. So good. Las Vegas is the original one. The one that's like just yeah, CSI. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Question. Gil. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the odds of any single person being hit by a celebratory gunshot are extremely low. Yes. But low is not no. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> low is not no. I love it. Clever things that I wrote while I was taking notes. <laughs> um, so while rounds fired at a perfect vertical lose their spin and tumble down, the physics governing ballistic trajectories means that rounds fired at angles of 20 to 45 degrees in particular can retain lethal force at huh. considerable distance. Interesting. So it's really like it doesn't take much of an angle. Right. And most people, when they're firing gunshots, they don't do it straight up in the air because, you know, the recoil and stuff. Oh, so you're yeah. always basically doing it at some sort of, of angle. Okay. Yeah. It's very rare that it's fired actually straight up in the hmm. air. So you have to shoot it kind of backwards. And then when you shoot it, it might end up Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly. <laughs> but not too far backwards where you just hate your person who's <laughs> behind, behind you. you yeah. Yeah. So there's actually been these large studies in uh, LA, San Juan, and Pakistan, all of which indicate that falling bullets, when they do connect with bodies, are most likely to hit heads, shoulders, and feet. Surprise! Surprise! And can easily do extensive damage. Yes. So, you know, celebratory gunfire is not unique to the U.S., even though yeah. we are talking about a uniquely U.S. Yeah. holiday. Yeah, I was going to say, between it being a uniquely U.S. holiday and guns being not a uniquely U.S. thing, but a strongly <laughs> U.S. thing, <laughs> it's the perfect yeah. murder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, perfect homicide. The data from these studies also suggests that falling bullets are several times more likely to be fatal than other gunshot wounds. And that's partly because of where they land, you know, on the body. There's not much of a chance of surviving a headshot. Yeah. 
But also women and children specifically are much more likely to be injured by celebratory gunfire than by other kinds. Oh, which makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. You know, most kids aren't getting in real gun battles. I hope not. <laughs> There's enough wrong with this world. Let's make one less bad thing. Fun fact, the guns fired into the air at military funerals and events use blanks, not live yes, ammunition. That one I did know. <laughs> that one I was aware of. So celebratory gunfire is illegal across the United States. With crime classifications varying from a misdemeanor to a felony, but it's also super hard to catch people in these kinds of crimes because the trajectory from the bullet, you know, you would have to trace back and it's just to a general area. So it's not like you can knock door to door and be like, hey, who's firing celebratory gunfire? And like realistically, like it lands in a person, right? You can get the angle that was in the person, but you don't know which way the person was standing necessarily when they got hit. Yeah. And like, so it could be in any like diameter of that. And like, it just gets really, really complicated. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the punishment for this celebratory gunfire crimes can be quite steep that see their fines or you know i think i read one where this guy got manslaughter charges and was sent to prison for six years i want to say i feel like it's reasonable like you were doing something that could knowingly harm another person and it's illegal across the united states yeah dumb don't Um, be dumb but getting caught is very rare if you're going to shoot shoot into a target not a human target a practice target yes and make sure that it's Stable, so the bullet doesn't go through and hit something else behind mm-hmm, it. Exactly. Always check your background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but guns, dangerous. Gun. Yes. Maybe do um those poppers, you know? Yeah. That makes a lot of noise. Yeah. It just gets we'll confetti talk about some of those bad things later on. But yeah. <laughs> well, so, just the ones with air, oh, you know, and the confetti. Oh, yeah, yeah, not, yeah. not, the, no, not no. the fire ones. No, not the fire ones. We'll talk about those in a minute. <laughs> yeah. So what else is a uniquely 4th of July or relatively uniquely 4th of July? Way to die. Boating. Yeah. I mean, also just like summer activity. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's what I found. Yes. Like, let's concentrate the summer into this weekend. Right. Exactly. Because we have the three days, you know? Woo. Woo. You Um, can drink for two nights and get a hangover on Sunday and Monday. Yeah. So it'll work on Tuesday. Exactly. That's not, please, no. Sarcasm, 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 sarcasm. (laughs) So California and the U.S. Coast Guard recreational boating statistics repeatedly show that the 4th of July is the deadliest holiday for boating accidents. Wow. And, you know, as with motor vehicle accidents, alcohol is a contributing factor in over 30% of California's boating fatalities over the past five years. Nationally, alcohol is the leading known contributing factor in fatal boating accidents. To be fair, I don't remember the last time I was on a boat and not drinking. I wasn't driving said boat. Yeah. But, like, I feel like every time I'm on a boat, I have a beer in my hand. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't even remember when the last time I was on a boat. The time that comes to mind is when I was in high school, and I was a quote-unquote good kid back then, so Uh, I definitely didn't drink. (laughs) Yeah, I had friends in med school that had boats, and so I was able to go out with them and enjoy and then I found uh, in 2019, they did this thing called Operation Dry Water. What? What? So marine... Oxymoron much? Yeah. Marine law enforcement agencies across the nation okay. increased patrols and carried out a lot of boating under the influence checkpoints. Oh, cool. On the July 4th weekend in 2019. Oh, what is it? 90%? 90%. Of 
that were drunk. Yeah. <laughs> One of like, what, do, you, do, do they have the numbers? They didn't say what okay. the numbers were, but... It's got to be high. Yeah. And the whole point of the program was to help reduce the number of alcohol and drug-related accidents and fatalities Good. by having a more visible deterrent to boating under the influence. Okay. Like, yeah, that's fair. I mean, yeah. you know it's a possibility to get pulled over in your car, but I feel like you never think about that when you're on the water. Yeah. And um, as with driving, the... The law in California is blood alcohol concentration of 0.08% or yes. more. Um, but actually, officers may arrest boaters with a BAC less than that if oh. the conditions are deemed unsafe. Oh, yeah. Good. I'm glad that there are contingencies for them. Yep. So other increased deaths in on the 4th of July are, as Nicole was saying, summer activities. So pool accidents, mm-hmm. have a big pool party, usually kids, unfortunately. And the other big category besides fireworks we're getting into next are cooking fires and injuries. So, you know, we're having a big grill outside. Maybe somebody doesn't put out a fire all the way. Maybe somebody does something really dumb and leans over a stove and catches on fire or something like that. Yeah. There's a lot of ways that you can be done with cooking. Deep fry. Let's try to deep fry a large thing and just explode everything everywhere. <laughs> so, a lot of bad things. Luckily, less of that than on Thanksgiving. Yes. Turkeys are not a traditional 4th of July fair. I hope not. Hot dogs and hamburgers are fairly... Benign. But you can still fry stuff. That's true. There's a lot of fried stuff, I think. And I wonder how many people choke Ooh. on, like, <laughs> barbecue waiters. Yeah. <laughs> so, on to fireworks. So, on average over the year, 230 people come in per day. Of course, this is average. With firework injuries. These range from minor burns to serious life-threatening injuries. About 40% on average, are under 20 years old, and children less than five have the highest death injury rate in handling fireworks. Mm-hmm. So just watch your kids. Don't leave your kids alone with fire. It's just a bad idea. Wait, what? <laughs> I thought fire was an excellent babysitter. It is. It's the best babysitter. Yeah, that's what They'll I was planning. Watch your child to the grave. Yeah. Oh, snap. Yep. <laughs> bad news, bears. So. In, I have stats from both 2018 and 2019, and they're pretty similar, but there's some interesting points that come up between the two of them. In 2018, there were 9,100 fireworks-related ED injuries. 62% of those happened in the month surrounding July 4th, mm-hmm. because that's when people go and they buy a bunch of fireworks, and they're like, let's set this one off early, or we have a couple left over, so let's like set these five off at the same time and see what happens. Yeah. And then they blow themselves up. I was actually home this past <laughs> weekend. Which, it's June, Mm -hmm. and somebody was setting off fireworks on Saturday. I was like, what are you doing? (laughs) I played rugby on Saturday, and there was somebody setting off fireworks just outside of the pitch. (sighs) It's crazy. They're not special if you do them every day. It's true. Save them for my birthday. (laughs) (laughs) The only day it's allowed. Exactly. Uh, The firecrackers are the number one cause of injury amongst the various fireworks. And in less than five-year-olds, sparklers are the number one cause of injury. And we're going to go into this, but sparklers can burn at temperatures of 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, I read that and I was like, what? Now, you wouldn't give your five-year-old a 2,000 degree thing to hold. That's what you're doing with a sparkler. Like, Wait, you wouldn't? <laughs> I wouldn't. I mean, the only thing I can imagine is like I'm holding my kid. I'm like, we're going to hold this together. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But not like, here, take this and run away and have fun. Mm-hmm. Like. Talk about setting up forest fires, like, oh. Smokey the bear says no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're such a Californian. I am. (laughs) So in that year, there were five fireworks-related deaths, 
four were during the week of July 4th. So... What was that last person doing? <laughs> I, well, they were all from reloadable launching mortar shells. Mm-hmm. One of them, I'm sure you saw this. It was an 18 year old who had a he had a helmet on. Oh yeah, and then he put a mortar shell tube on top of that. Yep, and he tried to launch it, but the ignited shell didn't launch, mm-hmm. so it just exploded. Yep, he actually died somehow in the hospital the next day. I, I don't know. know how he didn't die immediately. Yeah, but it's yeah. And then in the years from 2003 to 2018, there are 121 fireworks-related deaths. 2019, so a year later, there were 12 non-occupational fireworks-related deaths, so it more than doubled. Seven were from misuse, two were from device malfunctions, and three were unknown. Hmm. And for that year, they said there's about an average of 10,000 injuries per year. About 7,300 are treated in the ED in that month. So again, you know, somewhere between like high six, like sixty to seventy yeah. percent of fireworks injuries happen in that month. Right. Not surprisingly, two thirds are male. <laughs> about thirty six percent, so a little over a third, or less than fifteen. Yeah. And about half or less than twenty. So young d- dudes is yeah. Young dudes. Young dudes playing with fire. <laughs> Surprise. Um, the highest rate of ED treated injuries are in the less than five year olds. The majority of these, about a third, are in the hands and fingers, which again makes sense when you're holding it, but also legs, eyes, heads, face, ears, arms can all be affected. And the number one type of injury are burns. And then as we said, just like with drinking and driving, a lot of these injuries happen, you know, the day before and after. So if you kind of take July 3rd to 5th, that's where you're going to have the vast majority of these injuries coming up. Yep. So... We talked about some of these injuries with fireworks, and I want to list off a few more. There was an article by Live Science that just kind of listed a bunch of different fireworks injuries, some things that are pretty obvious and some that are less obvious. Mm -hmm. So normally when you are doing any kind of construction work or anything, like you're welding or um, cutting metal, you wear eye protection because things can get into your eye and it's really bad. Oh, I wear eye protection 100% of the time. You do, (laughs) except when you're wearing contacts. Which is once in a blue moon. Exactly. But foreign bodies can get in your eye from the explosion. Mm -hmm. So like shrapnel, essentially. There was one case where this guy managed to explode part of a firework into his leg that hadn't exploded. (gasps) So there was, like, dynamite, equivalent of dynamite, in his leg. So he went to the ED, and they had to, like, evacuate part of the hospital so they can treat this guy and get... And they got it out. This is a Grey's Anatomy episode. It probably is a Grey's Anatomy episode. <laughs> they probably made a Grey's Anatomy episode out of this, and they got that... They got it out of his leg. Without but, it exploding. Yeah, yeah, but it's just crazy. Wow. Another thing I didn't think about was blunt force trauma. So we talked about how these, like, shells can launch to explode. Yeah. Well, they can also launch and hit you. So, you know, if you blunt force trauma to the chest or right. abdomen or, like, you head, yeah. like, you can get hit by these things because they aren't rockets. Like, you shoot up a firework, like, super high into the sky. Like, yeah. it's, yeah, it's a, it's a projectile. Things that explode without launching, like the guy with his head that oh, yeah. essentially got blown off. Yeah. There was another case where somebody was out holding a firework and it didn't go up, so it just exploded as he was holding it. And the way that they described it is there was nothing but his shoulders down. (gasps) Like, so his shoulders and, yeah, just, it just went away. Whoa. Another thing is, so 
part of the fun of fireworks is the bright colors that go off in the sky. Yeah. But the colors are caused by different materials that burn, uh-huh. right? So don't leave kids around unexploded fireworks because they could eat that <gasps> stuff. And that is really bad for you. Oh, so no. apparently this kid got phosphorus poisoning because they ate part of the firework. The Tide Pods. The Tide Pods. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And everybody knows about like hands, fingers being blown off. Yeah. That's... That's what Shouldn't I thought you were going to say yep. about the fireworks. Yep. So that's the, his head. His okay. head. And then this one I think you would like especially. So often when you have the launchy fireworks, you put them on like a flat dirt patch, right? And they explode up. But when that happens. Side note, Jordan's hand motions are amazing as usual. You should obviously have a YouTube going with obviously. this. Obviously. That will never happen. So when these fireworks go off and the dirt kind of explodes up. Yeah. As you know, you can get bacteria or <gasps> spores. I love this one. And so you can actually get some infectious disease that spreads because in soil you can get some infectious particles that are kind of dormant. And then if they kind of, you know, puff up and you breathe them in, you could then get various bacteria or um, fungus fungus infection from fireworks. Oh my gosh. Right? I mean, there's, I don't think really these are ones that as many people die from necessarily, but it's still something that I never really thought of because one... It must have also included the 4th of July. I went up to Canada. In Canada, I was staying on this canola farm with one of my friends from college. And his family has this canola farm. So there were like three or four of us that went up. And at some point, they bought just a ton of fireworks. Mm-hmm. And we set them off. And like it was on their farm. So we were in the middle of nowhere. We were all like, you know, a very safe distance from these things that exploded up. But, you know, it's just on a patch of dirt. And yeah. like it's something I didn't think about. But like you're just going to have all these puffs of dirt going up everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just another thing to freak out about that makes me wonder if there have been like outbreaks of coxie after fireworks yeah. in bakersfield or something yeah that's what i was wondering too yeah so yeah it's a possibility whoa yeah i'll another... have to watch right when we get to seattle to see if we get any other. i know i was just thinking that like what if we get a fireworks death right after we get to seattle <laughs> might happen although we have the fifth off so we won't be there till the sixth that's true but maybe they'll keep it in the freezer for it's true <laughs> So we usually try to do a story at the end of our episodes, and I found one that was pretty interesting that happened I on the 4th of July. I didn't think we were doing stories, so I didn't do it. So Nicole's going to carry all of the dead weight that I'm leaving behind. Dead weight. Nice pun. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so this one is um, about the Kresge 7. It's the tale of the 1908 SS Kresge fireworks explosion. Okay. So the SS Kresge was a store that occupied the first two floors of a four-story structure in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. So at 10.50, the morning of that Friday, July 4th, Mrs. Minnie Parker and her four-year-old son Jimmy entered the Kresge store. Jimmy. Jimmy had been lured there by the sight of clerk Winifred Duncan demonstrating a sizzling sparkler. Sparklers. 2,000 degrees. Yep. Near the store's front window at the behest of store manager D.E. Green, who told her that the sparklers were harmless. Definitely harmless. Yep. So while Minnie and Jimmy Parker were watching Winifred, uh, manager Green was in his mezzanine office with cashier Celia Zach. Your hand motions are also pretty great, just saying. Thank you. (laughs) Mrs. Fanny Frank, 50, was shopping on the second floor with her four-year-old granddaughter, Grace. Mary Hughes, a dressmaker's assistant, was probably in the sewing section on the second floor. Ed Bolton was next door at the Southworth Company, busily getting out the day's orders. Busily? Busily. Miss Carrie Booble. Booble. 
or Boobel, a clerk was selling goods at her counter on the second floor. Irma Schumacher, 18, who had just been promoted to floor walker, which I guess was a kind of supervisor position, was keeping an eye on the 50 or so other female clerks who worked the floor. Muriel Mays, great alliteration, Mm -hmm. another clerk, was at her second floor counter with Frida Treffel, whose older sister Anna worked downstairs. Um, Mary Podowski, a charwoman, was awaiting change. Andrew Lempke, another Kresge employee, was trimming lamps as he worked atop a ladder on the first floor. And staff pianist Hazel Thompson um, had just started a, a new song when all hell broke loose on the first floor. <laughs> Great transition. Yep. No one knows for sure what happened, but what historians think occurred is that Winifred turned sideways toward a fireworks display that included an American flag, and sparks oh. from the sparkler in her hand ignited the fabric of the flag. Sparklers aren't safe, kids. Which in turn set fire to Mrs. Parker, who was wearing a very big, very flammable dress. Oh no. And as the two terrified women attempted to beat out the flames, sparks from the dress fell on adjacent fireworks counters, and the fire and explosions began their deadly race through the store. Woof. So the store contained about thirty thousand dollars worth of fireworks. Ooh, which back then? And back then, how wait? What year is this? This is uh, nineteen oh eight. Thirty thousand. Thirty thousand. That is worth eight hundred seventy-seven thousand today. Whoa, that's a lot of fireworks. Or so I imagine. It's like a million dollars in fireworks. Yeah, <laughs> in the store. <laughs> Damn. So, as one might imagine, within seconds of the initial spark, the entire stock was ignited. Mm -hmm. And in a minute or less, the entire first floor of Kresge's was a fiery nightmare. That's like that barge that all the fireworks went off at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Which is what made me think of whether or not people got injured in that or died Mm. in that because of this story. So, on the first floor, customers tried to escape in three directions. They had the option of going out the front, which... um, was towards the main entrance. And then they had the rear. And there were two options when you went towards the rear. There was an aisle to the left of the rear center staircase and an aisle to the right. And the left led to a corridor with an unlocked door to the back alley. So safety. But the corridor to the right of the staircase led only to a rear wall of the store, which was blocked by shelving. And then the windows behind that shelving had bars on them. Oh, no. Yep. Um, and there wasn't a sign to indicate which way along that corridor people should go like for an, an exit. exit sign. Yeah. yeah. So when it became apparent that the first floor was on fire, <laughs> movement on the second floor surged towards the front and rear windows, the elevator, and the staircase. Okay. The elevator wasn't working and was immediately abandoned after the first attempt to use it. And so most of the shoppers and clerks fled to the windows, and most of them survived. Okay. However, a bunch of people tried to escape down the stairs. And so there was this vast hysterical panic stampede of people that led to a pileup. Okay. Um, thankfully, most of the people there got untangled because various survivors helped to pull them out. Um, and there weren't a lot of people who died on stairs. So the fire department arrived fairly quickly. But since the blaze began and spread so fast, the entire building was basically in flames by the times the trucks got there. So they quickly deployed ladders and nets, and the nets saved a lot of lives, um, but they couldn't prevent some pretty bad injuries because Mm. there was so much smoke that people couldn't actually see the nets that they were trying to jump towards. So lots of people ended up just falling to the pavement. Oh, ow. And then quite a few people would jump into the same net simultaneously, so they injured each other and then 
brought the nets crashing this to the ground. This reminds me a lot of like the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire. I don't remember that one. So just people just jumping out of buildings. It's like the, it was like a. Was that on my favorite murder? It was on a lot of things. I think I also learned it like from other sources. Yeah. But essentially, just like this, this factory that makes fabric just caught on fire. Yeah. And like people just started jumping out of windows because there was no good escape mechanism, right. and they like essentially locked people into the rooms to make the fabric. Yeah. Slightly different. They were locked in there, but like you know, but same incendiary yeah. conditions exactly. leading to madness. Yes. Um. So Jimmy Parker, that boy who'd been watching the initial sparkler display, yeah. disappeared into the interior of the store during the first few moments of the fire. And although she was badly burned because her dress had caught fire, his mom searched the burning store for him. And um, eventually the rescuers who had arrived told her that she could leave because the boy had been rescued. So when she got home, she was greeted by her husband, George, uh, who had unfortunately already identified Jimmy's corpse at the morgue. Oh, so sad. Um, Dee Green, that manager who had told Winifred to show off the sparklers, um, immediately seized cashier Cecilia Zack and rushed her to safety outside. Okay. Uh, he then returned and tried to save others until the flames and smoke drove him back into the street for good. So okay. he tried to do his part. Wow. The main hero of this um, story is Luther Roberts. He was the Kresge janitor. And after he realized that the elevator was useless, he began to smash open windows on the second floor to help people jump out safely. And then he went to that staircase that was clogged with people and began to drag people out and, you know, guide them towards the back windows of the second floor so that they could jump out and escape. So he returned time after time to the staircase until the flames and smoke drove him back as well. Okay. So he's the main reason why everybody on the stair pile up got untangled. Then Anna, the older sister of the two that I mentioned, who was working on the first floor, she resisted rescue. Like her coworkers were trying to pull her out the front door towards Ontario Street. Yeah. And she said, you know, I must find my sister. So she broke free, ran toward the staircase to get Frida on the second floor. Um, But her attempt failed because there was a huge mass of bodies on the stairs, right? That was all tangled up. Um, So she was able to free herself from that crowd and resumed her search um, and no one really knows the exact sequence of events after that, but um, Frida did eventually find Anna, brought her down to the first floor. They tried to get out, weren't able, ran towards the back, took the wrong direction. So oh. they were found um, among the bodies of those that died that day, oh. trapped by the three barred windows in the back with their arms around each other's necks. Ed Bolton, the guy who worked next door, he dragged several people out of the building and re-entered the store on his hands and knees to search for others until the fire drove him out again. Um, And once he could no longer get into the building to help, he started helping to hold the nets for people. But one girl who leapt from the second floor opened her umbrella to act like a parachute, and instead the umbrella smashed Bolton's arm. Oh. Ended up breaking it, and so he went and got his arm set, and then he went home to change out of his wet clothing and resumed his uh, job at the shipping place next door (laughs) to fill out the holiday orders. (laughs) Wow. So definitely the... Uh, badass of this story. Yeah, that's badass Bolton is what I prefer to him as. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, Mary Hughes, the dressmaker's assistant I mentioned, survived yes. the crushing pile up on the staircase. Okay, uh, only to die with the rest of the seven victims, um, mm. including Anna and Frida, the sisters, by the back three barred windows. Mrs. Fanny Frank, who was on the second floor with her four-year-old daughter, granddaughter Grace, um, led the child to a window. 
And from there, she jumped holding on to her granddaughter to shield her from the impact of the fall. So Fanny hit the ground and injured herself, but saved Grace from injury. And okay. they both survived. Good. Um, happy. We're ending on a happy note. I like this. <laughs> uh, well, Irma Schumacher, that uh, newly promoted floor walker, oh. <laughs> she tried to stem the panic of the employees at the staircase. Okay. Um, but was dragged down to those three barred back windows. Oh. And her body was found by firemen later that afternoon. Muriel Mays, that second floor clerk, was one of the first to escape from the second floor, um, but she was badly injured by the force of collision with the bodies that jumped into the net after her. Miss Emma Sheaf, um, she fled to the second floor windows, looking out over the front street. Um, There was a woman and a child there, but they were too afraid to jump because of all the smoke. Mm. So she pushed them out toward the net below. Unfortunately, the woman missed it, hit the sidewalk. Emma jumped, missed it too. But the child was on a hurt. And they both ended up surviving. They just... How many people died in total? Only seven. How? I know. (laughs) Well, at least from what I read in these two articles, one was um, from Vox and the other was from... uh, This was from an excerpt from a book called They Died Crawling by John Stark Bellamy II. Okay. Yeah. So as far as I knew, know from the excerpt from this book, um, seven people died in the fire. I don't know how many people succumbed to their injuries later. So the fire was over in about an hour, and it quickly gutted the floors of the store. And the initial belief was actually that everyone had been rescued, oh, okay. and it wasn't until 12.30 p.m. that the fire chief and a crew of searchers entered and found seven bodies in the rear right alcove by those three windows. Okay. They also heard a mewling noise, Did and they went... It? And at the farther end of the bunch of dead bodies was a little lad who was living. That was Jimmy Parker. And he died soon after his removal from the store. And so people think that the fact that he was still living when he was found is probably what led people to tell his mom, who was looking for him, that he was still alive. Because he technically was. Yeah. Um, So as the bodies were removed, it was actually um, apparent that two of the victims were still breathing. Unfortunately, both Emma Schumacher, that uh, floor walker, the 18-year-old floor walker, and a clerk, Elizabeth Rees, um, died uh, en route to the hospital or shortly after arriving. So a coroner's inquest was actually done about the deaths, and it began on July 9th, so five days after the fire. And all of the witnesses corroborated Winifred's belief that the store uh, management said that the sparklers were harmless. Mm -hmm. And then testimony also disclosed that one, no one in the store knew that the right rear windows were barred or even that there were windows there at all. Oh, okay. Two, that there had never been a fire drill in the Kresge store, but it was not legally required. Okay. And three, that the display and storage of the fireworks was in full compliance with all Cleveland fire and safety laws at that time. So they concluded that the fire was due to carelessness in handling the fireworks, but no one was legally at fault. Gotcha. So, of course, the Cleveland newspapers went off about this, and there became um, a lot of public outcry over the fire. And so on July 6, 1908, um, Councilman Daniel Fall introduced an ordinance that no person, firm, or corporation shall within the city sell, offer for sale, or have in his or its possession or custody Um, fireworks essentially okay so this foul ordinance was passed by the cleveland council on july 13th and was signed into the uh, 
signed into law by the mayor at the time, and other cities and states soon copied the Cleveland Fireworks Law, and the Foul Ordinance is now remembered as a pioneer in the crusade for a safe and sane 4th of July. Okay. So the Kresge 7 did not die entirely in vain. And that's why in a lot of cities nowadays we have, you know, ordinances where you can't buy fireworks within the city limits. Yes. That makes sense. Yep. It's all because of this fire. So now we're going to go through some firework safety tips to keep in the back of your mind this I guess it's coming out on the same day but in your future fireworks handling yeah slash if you have any left over yeah dispose of them safely (laughs) so step one make sure that consumer fireworks are legal in your area before buying or using them I know a lot of people will drive to another state where it's legal and buy a bunch and then bring them back don't do that yeah never use professional grade fireworks don't buy or use fireworks that are packaged in brown uh, brown paper. It's usually a sign that, you know, they were made for professional displays, but not for consumer use. So that kind of goes to the prior one. And as we've mentioned throughout this episode, never let young children play with or ignite fireworks, including 2000 degree Fahrenheit sparklers. Yes. This one, I think, is like a don't be dumb Never place any part of your body directly over a fireworks device when lighting the fuse. It's going to explode up. And then move a safe distance immediately after lighting the fireworks. Because, you know, it's designed to go up, but it might be faulty or go sideways. And you don't want to get exploded. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And keep a bucket of water close by in case of fire. Never point or throw fireworks at another person or occupied area. Again, duh. Uh, never try to relight or handle a malfunctioning firework, mm-hmm. such as the one that was on that guy's helmet. Yes. Uh, light fireworks one at a time and then move away from them quickly. And when fireworks have completed burning or look like they've completed burning, douse them with water from a bucket or hose before discarding because things are still on fire when they don't look like they're on fire. Or even picking them up for that matter. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, long story short, don't be dumb. Just like... Don't be dumb, people. Fireworks are pretty but dangerous. Yes. Like actual fire. <laughs> I guess I, the, I mean, I knew a lot of this. I definitely did not know that sparklers could burn at 2,000 degrees. I think that was like the fact of the pod for me. Like, I agree. It was yeah. crazy. I definitely didn't know that they got that hot either. All right. So I know that it is the fourth and I know that my pod, I am very delayed at listening to my podcast, but hopefully you guys had a fun, safe, happy and healthy 4th of July and that Nicole's had a great birthday. Yeah. It's I will my be, birthday. <laughs> I will be at a wedding out in Newport, Rhode Island. And I will be flying back home <laughs> shortly after having arrived in Seattle. <laughs> We're going to be doing a lot of flying this next year, guys. I'm sorry, environment in advance. <laughs> But be smart. Please don't blow any hands off or limbs or bits of limbs or any of that. We don't want to see you on the table. Yeah, please, please don't. Although it's only 5 to 12 per year, but it's all going to be in that week. Yeah. And injuries, though, are, you know. Yeah, that's true. We won't see you, but other doctors will see them. Yes. Nothing is more explosive than social media. Oh, another great one. (laughs) So if you like this, <laughs> I feel like your response, your like reactions are getting more forced. You have to be like, I hate her so much. That's not that. true. That's not true. <laughs> I just wish I was as creative. That's, you're very creative. 
I'm not very good at improv. <laughs> anyway, if you like this and any of our other episodes, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. It's how we get boosted up on the various podcasting platforms and other people learn about us. You can visit our website at deadmendotellpodcast.com where we link to all of our sources in our episode guide. On Twitter, we're at deadmendo. On Insta, we're at the Dead Tell Tales. And our Facebook page is Dead Men Do Tell Tales Podcast. As always, send us an email through the website or directly to the Dead Tell Tales at gmail.com. Questions, comments, concerns, saying hi, telling us how your friend blew their hand off once. Love to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> and our opening theme music is Introducing the Pre-Roll by Lee Rosevere, who you can find on SoundCloud. Have a great fourth, guys. Yeah, may the fourth be with you. I know that's the wrong day, <laughs> but it's pat, got the pat, fourth. Pat. It's your birthday. You're it's allowed. my birthday. <laughs> okay, Bye, I'll guys. Stop. Bye. <laughs>